Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Matt Chat. I'm David Mirkatani. My guest today is the creator and executive producer of the movie The Price of Legacy, Wrestling with a Dynasty, and a 2017 inductee into the Oklahoma chapter for the, of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame for the Medal of Courage, Chance Leonard. Chance, thanks for coming on the show. Hi, David. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's it's a it's an exciting thing. Uh, it's a little bit different from what I do talking to coaches, but kind of going through the background of this, I think it's going to really be uh, an interesting talk. So, um, let's let's start with your background, Chance. Um, you know, how did you get involved in wrestling, and uh, how did you end up at Oklahoma University? You bet. Well, I was uh, I always like to say that I think wrestling chose me first because of where I'm from, and then eventually it. Uh, you know, morphed into a love affair for the sport. But, you know, I grew up in the greatest wrestling town in Oklahoma and argu- arguably in the nation at, in Perry, Oklahoma. I was fortunate to grow up in a wrestling family. My dad and uncle both wrestled at Perry. Um, they both went on to wrestle at Michigan State and Arizona State, respectively. So everyone around me was part of the wrestling team and tradition. Even my younger brother obviously got involved, but my friends both above me in grades and below me in grades were wrestling. Their family members, you know, aunts and uncles, excuse me, were somehow involved in the sport. Um, Sisters were wrestling queens. You know, everyone had some sort of connection to wrestling in Perry, Oklahoma. So I I just naturally uh, gravitated towards the sport. And I think it was inevitable because, you know, Perry and the wrestling world are synonymous and really inseparable. But, Growing up in the historic, you know, Perry High School wrestling program, it, it's hard not to participate if you are born in that town, you know. And just a few comments about, you know, the program for people that may not know about Perry. It has a national record for the most team state championships in the United States, and that's 41 in its 95-year history. It has a national record third most individual state champions at 164. And it has a national record third most dual wins at 964. And this one next fact is really amazing to me. But since 1961, the program has never gone more than two years without winning a team state title. Holy cow. That's that's 56 (laughs) years. And to give a little bit of context to that, you know, the streak began when Walmart, Target, Kohl's, Kmart, they weren't even in business at the time. So that that's you know, that's some historical stuff right there, yeah. It's staggering. It, it's it's a staggering record, um, and it's still, um, you know, in play to this day. So there's you know a lot of pressure that is on uh, the people that participate in the program now, um, but they've grown used to it. But you know, we can talk about that maybe in a little bit. Sure. I guess I would tell you, you know, how I ended up at OU. Um, after high school, I originally signed with the Air Force Academy. Uh, but unfortunately, I really wasn't thorough enough in the recruiting and decision-making process. I really got caught up in the prestige and the reputation of the academy. And I didn't really investigate far enough whether I would be a fit for them or they would be a fit for me. Because I, I knew I wanted to wrestle at the Division One level. And, and quite frankly, I just could have cared less about flying a jet. Yeah. Um, and that's not all what the academy is about, of course, but it was a tremendous honor for me to be accepted, um, and I think certainly an incredible educational opportunity. But I chose to leave because deep down in my heart, I knew I wanted to wrestle. I knew I wanted to, to take part and carry on some tradition of uh, the family in my hometown, and um, after evaluating my options after that year, I chose to sign with Coach Dan Abel and the Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah, Sam, great coach, great recruiter, really, really cool guy to talk to. So you wrestled at OU, and um, you know the people I know have, have told me some of the successes you've had in business. So tell me a little bit about um, your life after your career at Oklahoma. Absolutely. Well, I, w- I would start with telling you that, um, you know, there are certainly some, some good memories and certainly some bad memories um, and experiences. Um, I think to be forthright, 
I think it's good to do this and tell you a little bit about because my feelings have, have really significantly changed since um, immediately um, following my departure at the University of Oklahoma. But really, just to be blunt, you know, I left the University of Oklahoma frustrated and angry and bitter and literally physically hurt, but most importantly, deeply disappointed. I still had eligibility remaining at the time that I left, but when I started, I really had set high goals and expectations of myself, and to be frank, I just really didn't meet any of them. And there were a combination, I think, of many factors that led to what I would consider a bust, my bust as a collegiate wrestler, yeah. and we probably don't have time to go into them in great detail today, um, but I clearly remember this one thing, and that was... You know, I thought I had failed miserably because I didn't achieve what I wanted to on the mat. And after graduating, I was really just kind of in, in emotional agony, and I didn't understand what to do with all the feelings that I had. And kind of through this cloud of emotions, I guess, you know, I swore to myself that I would never, ever let this happen to me again and that I, I didn't want to fail. You know, so I cried a lot. I swore in front of many mirrors that I was <laughs> never going to fail again, you know. And so I, I really just ended up pouring myself into my professional career after that. And so, you know, after I began my professional career, I, the pain really didn't go away. You know, I thought I was harnessing this negative emotion, in a sense, by using it to su attain success um, that I didn't achieve on the map while I was a Sooner. Um, and I was driven to succeed, and, you know, I did. And there wasn't a performance goal that I didn't achieve. And the harder that I worked, the more money I made, and the more professional accolades I achieved. You know, and I climbed the corporate ladder, but I wasn't happy, and I certainly wasn't content or at peace with who I was and where I was at that point in time. So, um, and I think one important point that really – came out um, and that I really realized, finally realized, I guess, I just wasn't happy because I hadn't accepted that past. Um, and you hadn't come to terms so, with it, I guess, right? I, exactly. I really just hadn't been able to overcome it. Um, and I, said, I thought I was, I was truly utilizing it, you know, moving forward, but it, but it really wasn't. It was just unhealthy. Um, and, it, and it was a drive that produced a tremendous amount of work ethic, but it, but it wasn't utilized in a way that I think could be most productive. Yeah, I know. I actually, with that, no one cares about my background, but I know exactly. I know firsthand how you feel. So, yeah, it's it's a motivating thing, but you kind of it's cathartic until you kind of come to grips with it. Yeah, and you know, you you just look back and, and probably like me, you, you wrestle a lot of those matches that you lost, you probably even wrestled some of the one that you won, um, and you think back, if I'd have just done this, or if I'd have just done that, I might have gotten to the point where I actually reached my goals. Correct, um, yeah. And, you know, I, I've, I've, I'm, I've changed a lot since then. My outlook on those times are um, is really different than what it was then, um, and certainly what it is now. Yeah, well... I've found that some of the biggest supporters of wrestling are guys that, you know, you know, in terms of either, you know, fundraising or in terms of creating projects, they were maybe good wrestlers. Some of them weren't even good wrestlers, but they weren't the best wrestlers. The best wrestlers either stay in wrestling or almost get completely out of it. But the folks that had disappointment, like you're talking about, like you had, like I had, like probably almost anybody who's wrestled, very few of us win the last match we wrestled the values, the camaraderie, all the other stuff we got out of wrestling drives us to try to be good at something next, you know, whether it's being the best school teacher in the world or the best accountant or whatever the case may be. And if you can take that work ethic you got in wrestling and apply it to something in the business sector, most I've found that most of the time those folks can be very successful. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think it's also realizing that we all have an opportunity to do something with our past and our history um, and to give back. Yeah, I agree. I agree on both those things. So, um, you know, I wanted to, you know, I kind of, you know, I was going to ask you about what kind of drives you in your approach, but 
Um, I, I think I kind of touched on it, but, you know, tell me a little bit about somebody who's been as successful as you are. You know, most people, you know, sort of have philosophies or mantras they live by. Um, a friend of mine mentioned uh, uh, something about the four A's that, that he had told him about that he was impressed with. So can you tell me a little bit about about that and any other things that are sort of driving forces in your life? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I think that I would have to, to make sure to say that, you know, what drives me now and what drove me after leaving the University of Oklahoma are two very different things. And I don't think things changed really for me until I fully had accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And then things really began to change for me because I started to see things from a different vantage point. You know, after college, um, I was just driven by pure and sheer determination, um, this intense de desire to prove myself. You know, fear of failure was also a motive of mine. Um, and honestly, I just felt really inferior and ashamed of, you know, a poor showing in the finality of my wrestling career. Uh, but I, I've really come to learn that those weren't healthy desires. And while they can, you know, for a little while contribute to success, they're not really healthy or sustainable for the long term. And so, you know, my motive now is a Christ-centric outlook and its passion for the sport and what it teaches and the opportunity, most importantly, to serve. You know, I'm not living for me or my selfish desires anymore. And at the end of the day, I've accepted these past failures and have turned them into opportunities to give back. And what I really realized is that I have a powerful testimony to tell. And so I've been able to reengage the sport in very meaningful ways, um, from coaching youth wrestling to serving on the, on the board of the Perry Wrestling Foundation in my hometown and the Sooner Wrestling Club, um, to also just, you know, donating money to important wrestling organizations. You know, praying for kids across the country who participate in the sports. And, you know, at the end of the day, I've just gone all in to heal and give back to this amazing sport and the next generation. And so when you bring up, you know, the four A's, um, you know, I created this, um, these terms, I guess, about 10, 12 years ago. And, and really, they're just my personal code of conduct. You know, they can be anyone else's as well. And, and it, most importantly, if anybody wants to, you know, apply them to their daily life, they can. They just require humility and, and commitment in order to be demonstrated. And so it's a bit of an acronym, of course. It's availability, affability, accountability, and attention to detail. And so as I look back on my past, you know, the four A's are really everything I needed to embody during my time at OU and really didn't. Uh, but they're also everything that I can be now. And as I, as I move forward, I can choose to symbolize and demonstrate these on a daily basis. Yeah, I think what's interesting, like when you mentioned these four A's, when I had Rich Bender on uh, the first time, he talked about the four pillars of USA Wrestling. And, you know, I think you meet a lot of people who are successful, companies that are successful, and they have a mantra, a philosophy, a, a code of conduct, whatever term you want to use. But I think what what maybe some of us in our daily lives don't think about is if you have those things, it really helps center you when things get chaotic. You know, so, if you know, people right. got families and responsibilities and jobs and emergencies happen. And if and, you know, obviously you're a spiritual guy from what you're saying at the end of the day, if you're like, OK, what am I doing? And is it like Rich Benner said, if what I'm doing is not making one of the four pillars of USA wrestling stronger, I shouldn't be doing it. And, you know, it yeah. seems to me if like what you're saying is. If if I'm if what I'm doing I'm not being available, affable, accountable, or paying attention to detail, maybe that's something to hand off or just kind of get away from altogether. I think it probably in a you know maybe not an intentional way makes you a lot more efficient and more productive in what you're doing. Absolutely, and it also keeps me centered on, like you said, the things that you have to do, um, just from a central focus standpoint. And demonstrating these, you know, you can just look at availability. Well, it's it's physical and it's mental and it's emotional. And it'll bring you back to the center every single time that, you know, 
you get into a situation where you need to demonstrate it and, and why. Um, and I'd like say you can do these in just a mental um, gymnastics, so to speak, through each and every one of them. I always look at affability as, as humility, um, you know, saying please and thank you. That's, yeah. that's really important. You know, um, accountability is, is incredibly important. I think taking it to the point of liability is even better. Um, yeah, I agree. Because we all need to ensure that our decisions uh, we're accountable for. And the attention to detail part um, is is something that is required, uh, whether it's on the wrestling mat or not. Um, and so I've got two young boys, and we're constantly trying to teach our kids uh, how to embody uh, these four A's. And um, they're critically important, I think, for success in life, both on and off the mat. I agree. I agree. And I think that probably, you know, I shouldn't speak for you, but when I was 18 and going through college, um, I probably didn't have a mantra like this. And, uh, um, yeah. you know, and now when you get to be older, I'm not going to age myself, but let's just say significantly older than 18, you know, mantras like this make a lot more sense. So, um, yeah, there's another term that I've heard associated with you called radical collaboration. And I know what those two words mean separately. Um, but I'm really interested in hearing what, what you mean by that when you combine those words? Well, I would tell you that the impetus, I think, in this is the is not only the applicability of it, but, you know, why radical collaboration is absolutely essential. Um, and whether it be for organizational success outside of the sport of wrestling or um, success inside the sport, when you're participating in the sport on the map, you know, you've got to engage other people. As I look back on, on my career, especially, you know, when I was wrestling, I, I didn't surround myself with enough people who, number one, would tell me the truth, honestly and brutally. And, and then secondly, you know, have people pouring into me in order to help me get to where I want to go to help me see from my perspective and from their perspective about what to do next. You know, and as I have in my, in my, in my professional career, the more and more that I put myself in, in situations to draw on other people's understanding, experience, wisdom, those things I can learn to apply in my own endeavors. Um, and I think as, as we are, one of the main things that we need to do in the sport of wrestling is to help grow our sport. And that's going to take radical collaboration across every major entity, all the way down to the club level across the United States and to individual performance level. And I mean, even outside and off the map. Um, but I'll tell you maybe a little bit about if we have time about a project that I'm working on that is going to require that. Um, and, you know, it also shows us exactly that we can't do everything ourselves and on our own. And it requires other people to become involved, cast a vision, and then pull everybody in around it and, and have them have it become a vision of their own as well, that they take part in, that they have an oar in the water in. And that, to me, is what radical collaboration is all about. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think a lot of times it's a maturity thing, right? Like, you know, a lot of people surround themselves with – with yes men and people that just agree with them. And to me, when I heard the term radical collaboration, it's like, I want to hear other people's point of views. I want to hear maybe somebody with a conflicting point of view. I, I want to be around people that will say, chance, I think you're wrong. And here's why, you know, not in a disrespectful way, but in a way that, you know, these people want the greater good for you and your project or your family or whatever this, the topic of the conversation is, is, is that crazy or am I a little bit on track there? No, I think you're you're accurate and uh, you know focused on exactly what it is about, yeah. and it's important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, and I like that. I think that's uh, I think it's important for all of us to challenge ourselves and then to to want to be challenged. I think that's a sign of growth. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump jump lanes here. I want to talk to you a little bit about the the new Oklahoma RTC. Um, I know you're 
involved in it at some level and just kind of wanted to um, hear your thoughts about Lou Rosselli, Eric Guerrero, and just the, the Oklahoma RTC in general, um, you know, why you're excited about it and, and what you think can, can come out of that. Well, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, you know, my relationship with the Oklahoma RTC begins first as a privilege. Um, I get to be part of it. Um, but most importantly, the reason why is because I believe in what Rich Bender and the leadership of USA Wrestling has done to create the regional training center atmosphere. You know, the Oklahoma RTC, as well as every other RTC around, you know, the country has an opportunity to influence, you know, at every single level of wrestling. And gives the opportunity to set sky-high dreams for kids that are participating, you know, at every single level. Um, and what I think it really does is helps them to dream bigger and create a pathway for them to see an opportunity to attain success at the highest level, which is, in our sport, the Olympic and, and World Championship level. Right. It doesn't get any higher than that for us, at least at this point in time, right? I know Mm -hmm. there's some people that are working on, you know, some opportunities to do it in a way where it's financially rewarding as well. And and I thank them for that. But, you know, one of the greatest things that I think we have and what is, is a potential hindrance to our sport as well is accessibility. You know, Dave, if you and I want to go and see the best of the sport, we can all we have to do is go to practice, right? Yeah, I that's mean, pretty cool. We can right? walk into a room. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we can walk into a room anywhere around the country and see Olympic champions, and we can see world champions, and we can see multiple Olympic and world champions. Right? You can't do that if you want to see Tom Brady, you know, practice. You you can't do that if you want to see a LeBron James or anybody else who's at the highest level of the sport compete. But most importantly, you can't get individualized coaching from them. Right. And what the RTC movement truly does, I believe, is visionary. I believe what it does, it is associates, you know, the people that are participating in the sport with the people that are the best of the sport and have an opportunity to coach them up, just to mentor them, just give them the opportunity to say, wow, you know, that guy is my hero. And I am so blessed just to have, just be in the same room, but to have that person come along beside me and tell me, you know what, you're doing your single leg wrong. Here's how you need to do it. And take that from one practice and turn it into a hope of achievement in the future is spectacular. Yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, I think, you know, a couple thoughts there. First of all, you're you're dead on the nuts about being able to go to practices and um, you know, see these guys train and you know, go to the you know, go to an RTC or an Olympic training center or and there's a lot of really generous college coaches that will let you stick your head in on a practice. And it's absolutely it's, you know, maybe in the pros like you get to go to a spring training game or uh you know, the preseason, you know, practice, but, you know, training right. camp. But for the most part, it's, it's, and that's not the real practice anyway. Um, right. I think as a kid that grew up around a college team, what I thought was cool was, okay, I'm wrestling with guys that were college all Americans. I'm like, oh, this is how good you have to be. This is how hard you have to train. And I think right. knowing is always better than not knowing. Like it, it seems, Absolutely. yeah, it seems really difficult. And like, it is hard, but it's not impossible. Like, this guy does tie his shoe one at a time, just like I do. And, right. yeah, so I think that part's really cool. And, I, you know, you mentioned, you know, the visionary part. And I need, you know, I want to mention, you know, that I think Steve Frazier was one of the first guys that brought this RTC idea back to the U.S. Right. Uh, Zeke Jones was instrumental in getting it uh, implemented. And Cody Bickley, who we just had on last week, is really, really instrumental now in the success of of these RTCs and keeping them productive and and lending all the support he can from USA Wrestling and keeping them compliant with the NCAA. And, you know, greatest summer of American wrestling probably ever, 
you know, just concluded. Oh, yeah. And, you know, those guys were on last week. And, you know, I just want to shout those guys out because I think they are they laid the groundwork and one is continuing to support that. So that, like you said, like, hey, we can go stick our head in at uh, Oklahoma RTC or, you know, OWA with Hardell and, you know, all these different places that have these amazing guys wrestling at it. So um, it is amazing. And you think about those guys, too, you know, all different backgrounds, in a sense. Yeah. You know, Steve Frazier and and being in the, the Greco side and, of course, you know, everybody collaboratively working together. But that's another, I think, um great opportunity to, to showcase what the radical collaboration is. And, you know, it's a, it's a systematic process. What, what I also love about the, the, the RTC is the ability, as I said a little bit earlier, to, to what you were mentioning is, you know, you're wrestling with some of the guys that are on the world team or and working to make the Olympic team. You know, you, you see this process from an early age of what it actually takes, but you're also in the middle of it. Right. You're like, wow, you know, the things that I'm doing today, if I continue working like this I can and I'm getting it. a little yeah. bit closer, yeah. I can make it. You yeah. Know? yeah. It's a, it's a sure. pathway. It's a visual pathway to, you know, a, achieving an Olympic or world medal dream. It makes the unattainable tangible. And I think that's right. gigantic. Right. Because dreams, there's a million dreams that die along the way from really talented kids. And I think it's also great for parents like, OK, you know, I'd. You know, I know I understand, you know, wrestling's expensive, but like, okay, I don't have to send my kid to Russia or, you know, Mongolia or Iran to train. Like, you know, look, we have wrestling here is great and I don't even have to send them across the country because we have these yeah. these pods all over the country of great wrestling. So, right. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. And there's an appetite for the programs. If you, I mean, if you think about it, I know just just uh, starting up when the Oklahoma RTC started over 200 applications. From people around the country, country. I'm mean, assuming around the the 250 mile radius that uh, is involved with right um, how they work, you know, yeah. setting the standards. And so, you know, that to me is showing that we've got kids that understand number one what it's going to take. Number two, they're willing to sacrifice to go, you know, put their shoes on in a room somewhere and practice for a few hours. And number three, they know that it's going to take more than what they're doing right now. For sure. And they're, they're willing and choosing, you know, to take part in that. That's tremendous. Yeah, it is. So, you know, for people around the country that, you know, maybe want to, you know, either volunteer their time or donate 10 or 20 bucks to their local RTC, you know, which in turn obviously supports USA Wrestling and the Olympic movement. Um, give 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 me your perspective on how that support can make a difference. Well, I would tell you um, that I think first, you know, people have to get educated. As this has been, you know, playing out over the last few years since inception to, you know, working the program to getting it, you know, up and running at um, RTCs across the country, I still think that a lot of people – uh, in the wrestling world are, are really just trying to get their arms around what an RTC program actually is. You know, when does it get, when, when does the practice take place? And, you know, how old do I have to be? What, how do I qualify? You know, what are the, the, the rationale and how, how do I do this? I guess is the all first the, thing. All the logistics, people, right? Yeah. I think people just have to kind of first, you know, get educated about it. I think that we as people that, you know, are involved in the programs, need to do a better job of, of educating and helping people understand what is required and what's necessary. Um, and then I think people get hooked pretty quickly. But engaging with it is really, um, you know, an opportunity to give support with time um, and, you know, the financial means to support, you know, our senior-level athletes. That's really what it's going to boil down to. And then when we have um, practices for, for kids that starts, you know, in ninth grade and they have to meet a certain criteria of accomplishment in order to be accepted, um, those are USA Wrestling um, rules and regulations, uh, to your point about making sure that it's compliant. And, and we do that. And then, you know, getting involved, I would say that, 
is is a combination of time, um, perhaps even you know coaching, um, as well as the financial support. That's what's really really uh, important as well. Yeah, I just and I think just from you know talking to Cody Bickley and seeing some of the RTCs here in St. Louis, I just think that people hopefully understand that you know, a little bit can make a big difference. It, it goes towards a kid having an entry fee or gas money to get to an event and things like that, and it, and it, it really does right. make a difference. So I want to take the well, rest of I think you mentioned earlier, too. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was just no, going to go ahead. make one quick comment. You kind of asked about, um, I think, Lou Rosselli and, and Eric Guerrero. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I couldn't be more excited um, about having – them in Oklahoma. I know Eric has been in Oklahoma for a long time. He's contributed significantly over a long number of years. Um, but I'm also most excited really for the athletes. You know, I think they are being led at the Oklahoma RTC by men of character that are um, upholding the responsibility as men first and then coaches. You know, they're really, in my view and perspective. They're leaders that are driven, you know, with unwavering commitment to commitment and integrity and work ethic and intense desire to succeed. And, you know, you could obviously say, at least from my opinion, they epitomize the four A's, you know, and they are coaches that have a vision for the RTC system as a whole, you know, in, in my view, and, and it's, it's a view that is that I believe that they, you know, are not looking at this as an interstate rivalry. I think they look at it as a way of getting an Oklahoman through the use of the Oklahoma RTC or even the Cowboy RTC or the Oklahoma City University, you know, RTC, uh, of having the ability to put an Oklahoma back on a world podium again. Right. You know, we want that to happen. We've had a couple of Oklahomans, you know, that were on our, our 2012 Olympic team, but they weren't from Oklahoma. Right. And so I think they have a, a vision for that. And then, you know, at the end of the day, I think we all have to look at, you know, a lot of what we're measured on is results. You know, and you take a guy like Lou Rosselli, who is a very results-oriented person. You know, he demands excellence, but he doesn't expect perfection. You know, and he wants to, to, to make everyone better. And I know Eric shares in that philosophy. And you look at Lou Rosselli's track record. I mean, he was the 2016 Terry McCann USA Freestyle Coach of the Year. He's coached 20 World and Olympic team members. He's coached 17 U.S. Open champions, you know, 11 NCAA champions, youngest, you know, Olympic champion ever, and an Olympic bronze medalist. And so, I think their pedigrees are tremendous. You know, Eric has an extremely successful collegiate career uh, and professional, excuse me, international career as well. Um, I know he probably would feel like you and I do in the fact that he didn't achieve all of his goals of, you know, one of them being an Olympic champion. And I, I, what I love about it is we all come together and we say, okay, well, how can we make things better? You know, we didn't achieve our goals. How can we utilize that as motivation to help somebody else achieve their goals? And there's a servant leadership that's involved in that. And that's tremendous. That's why kids want to get involved. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think you said it really well. So I want to jump over to this passion project that um, really was kind of wanted me, you know, was my desire to get you on the show. And that's the the movie The Price of Legacy. So, um, yeah. you know, you told me off air and you, you mentioned at the beginning how successful Perry High School is. Um, it's, it's obviously an incredible story. You know, why do you think that this story needs to be told? Well, I think there's a couple very important reasons as to why this story needs to be told. Um, first and foremost, you have a town of 5,000 people that in the middle of the state of Oklahoma that for the last 95 years has been giving to the sport of wrestling at every level. And I mean at the youth level, at the junior high and high school level, um, at the collegiate level, at the international level. 
you know, has given back with coaches that have come from, and it's made the state of Oklahoma better at every, you know, level of, of competition. I think that a, you know, what I would consider to be a shining beacon of light for our sport is right in the middle of the state of Oklahoma. And you look at the credibility of the program. You look at a 95-year history. You look at 11 coaches in that 95-year history, and you look at all of the accolades that have uh, been achieved through this program, and you have to say, okay, wait a minute, why? What is going on here that produces this level of achievement? And even more importantly, that's the on-the-mat side of achievement. But let's look back, you know, in decade periods of time, and let's look at what has contributed to our society and people that have, that have gone on from this wrestling program, whether they wrestled in college, whether they wrestled at the Olympic level after that, if they went into the professional careers, what did we produce? So as we're going out and we're wanting to grow the sport of wrestling, we need to tell stories that other people can say, you know what? I'm motivated by that. I see what this sport teaches, and I want myself to embody that. I want my kids to embody that, male or female, right? I mean, they both can wrestle now. And I want to live this lifestyle that truly, you know, is allows us to demonstrate something that makes us different. Wrestlers go through tremendous pain and suffering in order to be the best. And we all know there is no price, excuse me, no purchase without a price being paid. And so when I look at, you know, this movie and how this came about in my own heart and storyboarding this, and, you know, I was asked by my college, excuse me, my high school teammate, Scott Chinoweth, to come back and be a board member of the Perry Wrestling Foundation. And I asked him, I said, okay, if, if I do this, you know, what, what do we need to do? You know, what, what are, what's the mission? And so we got to put together a mission. Then we decided that, you know, we really needed to do something to honor the program, but honor Danny Hodge. And, you know, I said, it's going to be more than naming a street um, for Danny Hodge. And so, you know, we have this leadership role in Perry that we continue to build upon uh, and continue to, to harness um, and continue to um, achieve and preserve that legacy. And so I, uh, along with a few other peers, we got together and we said, we're going to do something and we're going to create the greatest memorial ever to honor a high school wrestling program. And that is the Perry Wrestling Monument Park. And so we closed an alleyway on the town square. We got the city involved. We've got people in the community involved. And we put up statues of our Olympic athletes, which is Jack Van Beber, gold medalist, 1932, and Danny Hodge, an Olympic silver medalist. And as we all know, the Hodge Trophy, yeah. um, the Heisman Trophy of College Wrestling is named after him. They're both from Perry, Oklahoma. Right. That's, and that's crazy. And so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's – and we have a couple other towns like that in in Oklahoma. And so we did it for a few specific reasons. We did it to memorialize our program and the many achievements that it has, it has you know, been very fortunate to um, succeed at the level. But we did it also to honor the people, both that contributed on the mat, but also off the mat. We also did it to inspire because we want to keep this tradition alive. We want people to say, I want my name on a granite plaque inside the Perry Wrestling Monument Park. On top of that, we did it to inspire other programs around the country that have tremendous success, and we want them to do something for their hometown and their program as well. So I became pretty nostalgic working on this and um, really kind of started analyzing my past and began to ask myself, you know, okay, how can I do more? How can I bring more visibility to wrestling? You know, how can I help people understand why this 
sport is so important. Um, and so now I'm utilizing all of these character traits that the sport of wrestling taught me to bring together and radically collaborate with a team of people that I've put together all, you know, in Los Angeles um, to impact our sport, to give visibility to our sport, to help grow the sport and utilize the credibility of this program um, to tell people this story. Yeah, and I think it's, it's about a, people. And I think it's kind know? of a hidden gem. Like, you know, I think people kind of know about, you know, the schools now, and maybe it's just uh, a recency bias or prisoner of the moment. But, like, we know about the the Blair Academies and the Wyoming Seminaries and, you know, Oak Park River Forest and some of these other great high schools right. out there. But, you know, the, the crazy thing about how for 50-some-odd years or 48 years, whatever the number was, you know, they never – they won it at least every other year. That's insane. So um, – Yeah, that's the streak. One of the things I think that most wrestling people are probably like, you know, making a movie is something most of us would have no idea what to do or where to start. I mean, I imagine – you know, like I'd probably just pick up my phone and start shooting video walking down the street. So, <laughs> which, you know, probably wouldn't make for great theater, but, um, you know, kind of walk us through, you know, in not real detail, but just what, what's the process like of making a movie? Yeah. Well, I will tell you, I think that's the first thing that people thought of when I said, you know, I've got an idea and I think we need to make a documentary movie about this. And you know what? I'm going to be the one that champions the cause. Um, I know when I got a few people together uh, to talk about it, um, they laughed at me. And they just said, you know, good luck with that one. And I'm like, wait a minute. You, you, you all are part of this program. You live in this town. You know, what do you mean this can't be done? And, of course, my competitive side came out. And <laughs> maybe that's maybe a bad thing, you know. But it really entails – as I say, utilizing these character traits that the sport taught me. It's about commitment, and it's about discipline. It's about moving a process forward and improving on it each and every day. So um, I happen just to, you know, have a friend of mine that, that I've known for 15 years that's his family business, um, his, excuse me, his family had been in the movie business, you know, for 30 years. And so I contacted him, um, and I said, hey, you know, I've been storyboarding this this for the last three years. I've lived it. Um, I have enough contacts that we can collaborate across the entirety of the sport to raise awareness and put a story together. But I need help with who we have do that. And so through relationship, I was able to start to put together a team. And one by one, you know, all of a sudden we have – um, a director of cinematography um, who happens to be, his name is Jim Orr, and he um, had, um, you know, shot all of the Duck Dynasty episodes. And the next thing I know, you know, we've got a director and we're pulling things together to, you know, write the, the footage and to, to know what we need to capture. And then, you know, all of a sudden we are filming, you know, the 70 hours that we've already put together. Um, of film footage, um, and it's it's really through the radical collaboration and gaining partnerships with the organizations within the sport that we are creating visibility to within inside the wrestling community, but then also to put a product forward that can go and show people and showcase the sport of wrestling to people who don't know it. And so um, I just happened to, to come across a gentleman uh, that is one of the most successful documentary filmmakers in all of Hollywood. His name is Nate Adams. And guess what? He happens to be a three-time Montana State champion. <laughs> you know, how much better does it get? You know, somebody yeah. that knows the story, that's lived the life. And I would, you know, we'd never be able to afford him um, from a project perspective. But what he has done is he said, you know what, I want to make this. I love this, you know, and we want people to see what core values are about. We want them to see what community is about. We want them to see the tension that these kids are under in order to wrestle with the dynasty 
And then we want to show people, as I say, these decade periods of life of what it's produced in people after they step off of the mat. And so, like I say, you know, to summarize, it's, it's pulling all of that together um, and, you know, bringing aboard people that, that are passionate about it, that get behind the vision, and then, you know, they want to participate in a way that is meaningful and, and do a part that helps, you know, and we've got great sponsors, you know, our hometown um, banks and one of the, the, the greatest company uh, in underground construction in the world happens to be in Perry, Oklahoma. It's called Bitchwitch. Um, and they have a legacy uh, uh, that's equally as significant as the Perry Wrestling Program. You know, it's a $500 million company in a town of 5,000 in Perry, Oklahoma. And they're community oriented and they give back in so many ways. And, and so they partner with us as well as, um, you know, two former wrestlers in leadership positions, president and CEO positions, um, in, in Perry, Oklahoma. One is named Chuck Hall and another one is named John Alexander. So, uh, and we continue to make progress each and every day. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like obviously you're a smart guy. And you know where your strengths lie and, you know, you could spend a lifetime trying to learn filmmaking and it's just better to partner with people that are experts at this and, and like you said, rad- radically collaborate. So, um, what is the goal for the film? And I, mean, I guess specifically in terms of like fundraising, growing the sport, helping to sort of celebrate and, uh, publicize Perry, you know, things like that. Well, my overall goal. Um, is to honor my hometown, you know, its storied wrestling program and, you know, the coaches and mentors and teammates that, you know, played a part of my life and, you know, helped me succeed on and off the map. Um, and really honoring, you know, the astronomical impact on the sport of wrestling that Perry has been able, you know, to demonstrate. You know, we've set a, man, a standard that's on the map, which a lot of, of people are trying to, to knock us off and, and win. But then, you know, we've also set a standard off the map. Um, but, you know, on top of that, though, it, it's a bigger mission. Um, it's what I think that the movie can do is bring visibility to the sport of wrestling. It can demonstrate the inclusiveness of the sport. It can demonstrate credibility because of the past um, achievements, but then we can also show, you know, what the sport teaches, how it impacts people, um, and at the end of the day, you know, I want people to leave the theater and, and basically say, I want to identify with those character traits. Now I want to embody them each and every day. I want to I want to show that, you know, first and foremost with my family and then to my friends and to my community. And then I want community to also understand what it means to wholeheartedly support with unwavering support a program that they've all taken part in, whether they wrestled a match or not. And they get to say, you know what, I want my community to be like that. And also, you know, at the end of the day, this is not a political statement, but I want people that may be divided um, on one way of administering how we live and, and the things that we do and say to be able to look at this and say, you know what, this is what I need to reflect. We can all agree that these character traits are important and we can utilize it to unify. And there is everybody's wrestling with life. Day in and day out. You step off that map, you know, we've got things that are big challenges each and every day. And what I want to be able to do is show how wrestling teaches us to deal with struggle, to put ourselves in and under some of those struggles of life and and say, you know what, my kids should participate in this, even if it's for a few years through junior high and high school, whatever it may be, but let's show why this important, why, how it can be fun, and let's show what it produces. Yeah, those are awesome goals. And I think, 
really, I think all of us that love wrestling, you know, there's very few movies that we see that kind of really portrays wrestling accurately, you know. And so with this being a documentary, obviously it is going to be accurate because it's going to be this is what happened. And these are the people who were involved in things like that. So um, where exactly are things with the film in terms of production, you know, publicity, when it's going to be released, all that sort of stuff? At this point in time, we are in, we've got about 50 to 60% of the movie completed. We've filmed about 70 hours of footage so far. Um, I think we're going to need a little bit more uh, in order to finalize the story, but, but from the process, everything that I've learned, you know, um, of the things that are being done is that we got to go through and edit and um, make sure that we know exactly what we have and then look at what we still need, and then we go back and, and capture that footage. So we're in the editing process, um, looking at what we need to do next. Um, from the publicity standpoint, you know, anybody that is a fan uh, of your work here, like I am, uh, can Thank come you. aboard. <laughs> it's very insightful interviews. I hope I don't let you down today. <laughs> but, you know, fans can come and, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Um, and how do they do that? What are the, what are the handles or, you know, what are the, how do they do that? Yep. It's uh, really simple across all of the platforms. It's the price of legacy. Okay. And so we're wanting to build up a following so that we can keep people, um, involved and, and understand where we are in the process. Um, our goal is to release the film right after, um, the world cup next year in Iowa city. Nice. And so I'm going to be going around um, with U.S. Wrestling Feder- uh, Foundation to, um, you know, help promote the film, keep people apprised of where we are. We're actually going to start a crowdfund campaign next month. Um, I will tell you that, you know, I've utilized my kids' college money <laughs> to do this project. Um, and we need, I haven't asked for a dime from anybody in wrestling. And the reason why is because I think – collectively, there's been a lot of sweat equity that's been put into our sport. And you see people doing things um, in order to to create motivation for our sport and to make sure that, you know, we get visibility from it. You know, Mike Novogratz and the Dream Fund is absolutely incredible. Um, I know that Vander Schultz is working on a few things with people to, um, you know, create um, a, a way to um, visibly put um, amateur slash professional wrestling out as people are, are qualifying for right. world yeah. championship teams. You know, that's extremely exciting. So we've got a tremendous amount of momentum. And if we can harness that together and people can come along beside us and say, you know what, uh, I want to be one of, you know, 5,000 or 10,000 people that donates five, ten bucks. We're going to do, you know, a crowdfund campaign and we're going to put some really interesting packages together. Um, I, I believe that, um, you know, there's a reward process. If, if you give, you will receive. Um, and so we've got some, some pretty special things lined up with some of the biggest names in the sport that, uh, that want to help and are contributing to that. And, um, you know, we also have investment opportunity, and uh, we have sponsorship opportunity as well. So if people want to get involved, um, you know, besides the crowd crowdfunding or want to do more than follow you on the social media platforms, um, what's the best way for them to contact you to see, you know, to kind of gauge their level of interest? Well, outside of just, you know, Utilizing email or, or, you know, mobile phone, um, one of the easiest ways to do it on our website. And you can connect directly to, to me through our website. Um, and you can see, you know, some of the opportunities that we have there. Uh, and the website well. is just the price of legacy. The price of legacy. Okay.com. Great. Yes, Great. sir. What, you know, I guess what else? So we, we know it's probably coming out in April. Um, you and I spoke off air, and I'm, I'm pretty excited. I think I'm going to get to come down to the premiere. You're going to premiere it, you said, in Oklahoma, in Perry and in L.A. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, we're going to do a, a movie premiere, um, and most likely it have to be in Oklahoma City because the, the small town of Perry doesn't have a movie theater. Oh, you know, wow. Everybody's wow. all the time. Yeah. You know? 
That's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So OKC and then so, LA, right? Yeah, and I want to invite every when we do this premiere, uh, I want to do something special, and I want to invite every single junior high and high school coach to the premiere. You know, because this is not just about Perry. You know, all of these other coaches are giving back in a way that, you know, has to keep us sharp. You know, we have to continue with this legacy and with this streak. And, you know, I'm glad everybody wants to beat us because, you know, it's a competitive thing as well. Right. But it also helps to show that it made their programs great, too. And we just get a get an honor. Uh, all of these coaches and people that are, that are participating around the state and making our sport um, and our state uh, better and more visible. Yeah, I, you know it's interesting. I grew up as the son of a college coach, and there was, you know, you feel pressure, you know, like, hey, your dad's a coach, you're expected to win things like that, but not in our program. You know, our program wasn't successful like that, and it's, you know, it's kind of like. You know, you go play for the New England Patriots, right? Like, okay, well, you know, we win a lot of Super Bowls, so don't screw it up. I mean, I think, but those are grown men and they're being paid and it's a salary job. It's a job. And, you know, to yeah. deal with that kind of pressure from the ages of 14 to 18 is tough, but I got to think it's unbelievable preparation for the rest of your life. It is. And I think everybody's career in most situations, you know, ends up ending probably as a senior in high school. You're going to wrestle from maybe six years old till you're 18, right? And then you've got another five or six decades of life yeah. that you are going to have to work through very challenging circumstances. You know, I've had it myself with four major spine surgeries, and, you know, I'm, I'm getting close to being on the verge of my, of my fifth, and uh, the pain, the excruciating pain that I deal with on a daily basis is, is significant. You know, I've had family situations. My, my wife went through cancer just a few years ago. And so these are not easy things just, you know, uh, to deal with on, on a daily basis. You know, they require a lot of time and effort and discipline in order to, to make sure you navigate them uh, as best as possible. And so wrestling prepares you for that. You it, know, at the end of it, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. The floor is yours. I, I was just going to say, you know, as as a former wrestler, I'm passionate about the sport, and, you know, I just want people to know that there's probably, you know, I identify with those out there that, you know, either wrestled up through junior high or high school or, or even into college, and, you know, I'm one of you. You know, I want people to support the movie because I think it will visually demonstrate what the sport teaches and why it's so important, but it's also part of the story. It's part of our fabric of life. You know, I really see this as an opportunity to give back to the sport that we all loved. You know, I've just jumped in head first, and I'm utilizing what the sport taught me to try to create success with this. And But I believe others can do the same. You know, people can get involved with their hometown program. They can, they can work to make, you know, it better by utilizing time, experience, or monetary donation, um, and, you know, just get involved. You know, step up. Yeah, I think and, there's, and there's, there's a lot of paralysis by analysis, right? Like something looks really hard, and most of us just go, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to take this other path. And I think, um, I think, I don't know if the right word's admirable. It's just, it's very, very um, motivating to see somebody like you who has no experience in the movie industry to go, you know, I feel compelled to make this movie. I feel compelled to make get this story told. And probably just as important for me listening to it is I didn't ask a bunch of people for money on the front end. You know, I funded it out of my own yeah. pocket. And that's when, you know, people can there's lip service and then there's reality. And obviously it's yeah. important to you because you've invested your own personal funds. So um, I know track wrestling is going to be involved at the premiere. And, um, you know, I would love to, as you get closer to it, to have you back on the show, you know, help publicize it, try to, you know, really make the, the you know, make the premiere. And then obviously the weeks after that as big as possible. Um, what else do you want us to know about the movie and the project? Is there anything I missed? Um, no, I don't think so. I think we covered, you know, quite a bit. Well, I, I appreciate it. And this has been kind of a unique interview for me because normally – especially in season coming up here, you know, I'm interviewing a coach and I know their background. I know their lineup. I know, 
what people would want me to ask. And, you know, when you were first referred to me by some people I really respect, I was, I would kind of just went in blind. And so, you know, I I got a chance to talk to you, you know, before we did this. And I just got to say, I really, really respect you. Um, You know, I I feel honored to have formed a friendship with you. And I really think what you're doing is amazing. So I wish you nothing but success. And I have no doubt that you'll achieve it. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. I'm certainly humbled to be here. I listen to your show a lot, and I gain a lot of insight uh, from from all the people that are guests on your show that I, that I truly respect. And so uh, it's been a privilege. Yeah, there's been lots of smart people that have come on. And it's, <laughs> the fun part is lobbing the questions in and then listening. I, I learn as much as you do. So, And um, congratulations on the Hall of Fame induction. We didn't really touch on that, but you're going in. Um, for the Medal of Courage on Sunday, October eighth, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. With, with a lot of uh, a lot of, of scars and bruises to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's well deserved. Congratulations, Thank and um, I'll be down there in a couple weeks to to get to shake your hand. So I'm excited to do that as well. I look forward to it. Thank you so much, David. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Chance Leonard, the creator and producer of the movie The Price of Legacy. This was David Mercatani with Matt Chat. We'll speak to you all next week. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.